You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing well, thanks, Karen. Awesome, Charlie. I'm doing well. It's a Friday, long weekend, so a lot of good vibes over here, Charlie. But a really big news story we need to get to because everybody is talking about it is Alexei Navalny, the fiercest foe of Russian President Vladimir Putin, who crusaded against official corruption and staged massive anti-Kremlin protests, died in prison on Friday, according to Russian authorities. He was 47 years old. And Charlie, you know, what does this mean for Russia, particularly, you know, the future of its government? Well, one of the things, and this hasn't been talked about much in the coverage, is we're also approaching a Russian election. And it's March 15th to 17th, um, eighth presidential election in the country. And so um, interesting that Navalny was in court yesterday and then today, and his lawyer thought, you know, he was thin, but he looked okay. And then the next day he's dead. Uh, according to the prison officials, and uh, caused a great deal of outrage around the world because he wasn't that old, as you mentioned, and even his widow is saying um, maybe he isn't dead, you know, because Putin always lies, uh, the leader of Russia. So basically um, what's what it does is, as the election's underway, uh, it's yet another foe of Putin who has uh, met an early end to his life and um, he had been uh, poisoned, you know, radioactive poisoning earlier, which is one of the Russian government's techniques for dealing with people whom it perceives to be troublemakers. There have been a lot of journalists who've been killed during the Putin era as well and it's um, really, really sad because I think for for Russians who are hoping for a change in their country, uh, particularly the expats, um, it's it's just another sign that uh, Putin is consolidating control. So, you know, some are saying that these, you know, the, the deaths of all these people who have been Putin challengers or critical journalists is a sign of Putin. Putin's weakness, but he's he's still there. You know, first elected, I think, in 2000, so 2024, one of the world's longest-running leaders. He, he, he served one term as prime minister, and one of his cronies was president because of the Constitution, but now he's dealt with that issue, so it's looking like he's president for life. Yeah, it's looking that way, because I don't think, as as far as we know, there really is no opposition at this point. And will there ever be? It's really hard to say, because like you said, given Putin's history. So definitely a story that folks are going to be following very closely. Now, moving to Canada, because there's been a lot of uproar about this. Canada's Auditor General Karen Hogan released a worrying report on the Trudeau government's Arrive Can app, which launched back in April 2020. And uh, during the audit, it seems the Auditor General kind of had trouble estimating exactly how much it costs. They're saying it's about $59.5 million, but the actual costs might be higher. There's a lot of uncertainty. So, Charlie, what do you make of the situation? Yeah, I, I think this is not what Justin Trudeau needs right now, because it gives the Conservatives something you know similar to the sponsorship scandal uh, back in, 
in 2004, which uh, seriously wounded Paul Martin in an election campaign and ultimately uh, led to the defeat of his government two years later by Stephen Harper. So you've got a scathing report um, from the Auditor General. You've got uh, Conservative leader Pierre Poiliev sending a letter to the RCMP commissioner asking them to investigate, uh, which uh, Justin Trudeau, he's saying, you know, they, they, they will investigate anyway. They don't need to be prodded by a politician to conduct investigations. But even the, the existence of an RCMP investigation is very bad uh, for the government. And it can also affect the Liberals in the polls, which might convince some of their uh, more solid MPs not to seek re-election or even cabinet ministers. It could also have ramifications for liberal fundraising, and I think um, could even hasten the departure of Justin Trudeau if uh, people within the party decide they want to uh, have a new leader. The next election isn't until 2025, so there's some time, but this is an app that uh, cost, you know, one of the estimates is $60 million, which is significantly higher. There was a consulting firm with two people who were, um, you know, overseeing all of this. Uh, there's a question whether they had the wherewithal to actually do this kind of work. Could it have been done, you know, through by the government itself? And, and it's just a real mess. Um, for Justin Trudeau at this time in his in his political life. Mm-hmm. No, it certainly is, and like you said, I mean, the election is not till next year, but one has to wonder if it will affect people's outlook. So only time will tell on that one. Now, Charlie, you've been writing uh, for Vancouver a really interesting piece on a number of great movies coming from Asia. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, this is um, a new organization called LNY Splash, which is celebrating Lunar New Year. That's where the LNY comes from. And they're doing things with business improvement associations with public art, but they're also working with Lunar Fest Vancouver and um, the Vancouver International Film Festival to present seven films from Asia, because in Asia, just like in India, you know, Diwali is a huge time or Eid to go see movies. Um, Lunar New Year is a huge event on the Asian calendar in, in countries like Korea and even Malaysia, Hong Kong, China, Taiwan. So they've assembled a bunch of films, and I've seen some of them, and they're outstanding. One untold her story about uh, women being imprisoned in on an island off Taiwan for thought crimes when it was under martial law from 1949 till 1987. And so how these female prisoners continued to resist within the prison and formed a sense of community, even though they're they were given numbers, not names, and all the things that happened to political prisoners. Um, another one that I saw, which was fascinating too, was called "The Sunny Side of the Street," which was about you know Hong Kong's been a a lot of refugees have gone to Hong Kong through waves, like many from mainland China. You know, after the Chinese Civil War, there were lots from Vietnam who came in the late seventies and early eighties. And, and it's kind of a transit spot. Well, in recent years, there have been a lot of uh, increasing numbers, let's say, like more than half of them who've come have 
come from either India, Bangladesh, or Pakistan. So it's a group of Pakistani uh, refugees. Uh, one is a lawyer with his son and his wife, and um, and they're trying to get to Canada. And and then they uh, the father has an encounter with this taxi driver who's Chinese, who himself was a refugee from mainland China. So it examines kind of the plight of people who have made Hong Kong a temporary home and in some cases a permanent home, and, and its role is a bit of a transit point um, in the international immigration. And, and, and I thought it, it presented very nuanced characters, um, shattered stereotypes, I think, about Muslims and people from Pakistan. And so, so I really enjoyed it. It's at two, that one's at 2 p.m. this afternoon at the Biff Center. Awesome. And all those films sound amazing, Charlie. And if folks want to get more information, be sure to check out Vancouver because Charlie's been writing about a ton of these films. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Oh, my weekend. pleasure. Take care, man, Karen. Take care.